We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's good, everybody? I wanted to come on real quick just to give you guys a rundown of everything that is going on here in Veterans Minimum. So today you are going to listen to top 15 through 11, the top quarterbacks of the 2000s. If you want to get top 10 through 6, you can get so. You can get that. Jesus, look at the English. couple days off, man, and we can't even speak. You can get that on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. 10 through 6 is up. My interview with Lazy the Savage, my buddy Mike, who I've referenced many times, he's done documentarian work for Ronda Rousey, Luke Rockhold, Daniel Cormier. He actually set me up with UFC fighter Jessica I did a podcast with her over the weekend. That is also available on Patreon. You guys can get those episodes early before they go on to the main feed, which you are listening to on right now. Also, on Wednesday, this is a three-podcast week, folks. On Wednesday, I am uploading the audio from the Instagram Live that I did with my buddy Mustafa. My buddy Mustafa, I've had him on. I think it's been two or three times he's been on the podcast. I'm pretty sure it's been twice, but that conversation was really, really dope. He's been doing Instagram live during this whole quarantine shutdown session that's been going on in New York. And I hope all of you guys that are out there listening, you guys are, of course, washing your hands, even though I've kind of broken out on the backside of my hands. Like, man, the um, getting really ashy and like, I wouldn't say a rash, but dry skin for sure. So make sure you put some aloe. After you wash them hands, you know, don't be a dirty legend, but you're going to get three episodes. So I'm uploading that. Obviously, you have this one today, uploading that on Wednesday. And then on Friday, I got a podcast and chill with my guy, Mike. I'm telling you that podcast was dope as hell. I conducted it when I was out in Vegas. So you can hear that now if you want on the Patreon. It's available right now. Shout out to everyone in the Discord. Shout out to all the members of the Patreon. I absolutely love all you legends. A whole lot. And the last thing I want to say is check out the YouTube channel, man. If you guys haven't checked out the Vegas vlog, it was really, really cool. Some people really liked that. And shit, I was planning on going to L.A. in April, but that's Betty Bye. And, of course, Alan and I got credentialed for UFC 249, Habib and Tony. So we're hoping that could be a possibility still with all this craziness. But. You know, on behalf of VM and myself, I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves and taking care of your loved ones and try to stay productive, man. I'm finding it rather easy to stay productive. A lot of Xbox, a lot of Xbox, but sit back, relax, enjoy, and just know that VM got you. You know what I'm saying? I just like the sound.
Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I kind of burped there. Did you catch that? did. <laughs> kind of tried to stop myself from burping, but welcome back, guys, to Veterans Minimum. This is 15 through 11, the top QBs, top 25 QBs of the 2000s. If you haven't checked out episode 25 to 21 and then 20 through 16, those are up. And then the rest of the series you guys can catch on the Patreon uh, I'm joined, as always, by my guy, A-double-L-E-N. What up? Man, a third installment of this. Yeah, and you know what? I, I was ready to cancel the whole shit after you're uh, number 16. Look, and, uh, that, that, that didn't make me happy. You, you want to do like a mini recap quickly? Yeah. Like, like, what, like You want to air some grievances about both? <laughs> yeah, let's. All right, for those of you that haven't checked it out, go and check it out because we make a case for everyone. Yeah. I'll start off. I'm going 25 through 16. All right, 25 through 16. Yeah. Mark Bolger, Kirk Cousins, Matt Hasselbeck, Ryan Tannehill, Chad Pennington at number 21. Alex Smith, Michael Vick, Joe Flacco, Carson Palmer, Matthew Stafford at 16. There's a lot of pedestrian names on there. Allen, say your list, and number 16 is absolutely egregious. Mark Bolger, Jake DeLone, Matt Hasselbeck, Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz, Trent Green, Steve McNair, Dante Culpepper, Michael Vick, Eli Manning. It's very important that we mention once again that our criteria, in case people are like, what the hell? Who's, why are these guys on there? From 2000 to 2000 to currently, and at least three years of being a starter, play yeah, at a relatively have, good you, level. The, the criteria is this because it was going to be too much for us to handicap everyone yeah. right so we have a 20 year 20 season sample size mm-hmm. you must have played at least three seasons in the nfl so it eliminates some of the new guys like pat mahomes lamar jackson Deshaun watson Deshaun watson we're basing this off the five tools of the qb that we put together championships your resume organization front office head coach all in one roster around him supporting cast and just pure talent mm-hmm. And then also we will be factoring in like certain situations like I mentioned the influence on the game that Mike Vick had. Sure, Michael Vick, as I have my list here, is number 19. But if you're looking at just like overall impact on the game and future generations, he's probably in the top five, top three, if anything. And then also it's very important to remember that Alan and I have not shown each other our list. So that's why you get some of those natural reactions to both. Lots of outrage. Lots of outrage. All right, let's get right into it. I'll start it off with number 15. This is where it gets fun because there's a lot of guys that you can make cases for them being top 10 or being, you know, maybe drop back a little bit. But I'm going with Donovan McNabb. Wow. Okay. That's pretty low. You have him higher. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So Donovan McNabb, uh, one of the first quarterbacks to change the stigma of the African-American quarterback also. Like he was a really good passer. And it was a really good basketball player. Right, right. But also it was at a time where it was like, oh, you know, the 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 black QB was the runner. He was the athlete. But, you know, like Warren Moon before him. Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham before him. You know, Donovan McNabb playing in Philly, a place which is they can be very hard on their athletes. Oh, they turn on players real quick. Oh, like, <laughs> you know, you want to talk about heel and babyface. They they turn on you like like a wrestler does. Big show. Um man, something really ridiculous. Five straight NFC title games. I think that's something that hasn't been duplicated by any team other than New England to go to that many conference championships in a row consecutively. Man, that's impressive. Playing in uh, the NFC East, which, you know, I remember growing up as an NFC East fan where it was always the division that people would say, well, it doesn't matter what the record is. If Washington's 3-10, and that's a big game. Dude. And it'll always be like a 17-14 game. And like maybe Washington wins some of those. Maybe Washington loses. It was just always one of those things in that division, in that rivalry, that the records didn't matter. The veterans it, Stadium was a very intimidating place to play. Before it came Lincoln Financial Field, people hate going to Veterans Field. He never really had elite weapons around him. You're putting it very mildly. You, I'm, I'm talking, I think he's had some of the worst supporting cast ever. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to be polite. I was trying to be polite. <laughs> His his monster year came in two thousand four, where they went to the Super Bowl. Thirty one touchdowns, eight interceptions. That was a um, at the time a career high in passing yards. He also got Terrell Owens, which goes to show you similar to like Tom Brady too, where when Tom Brady finally got that toy on the outside, 
And sure, they had Wes Welker and like Dante Stallworth was was a thing, but you give some of these quarterbacks that legitimate badass on the outside, mm-hmm. you see what they could do. And thirty-one touchdowns to sorry, eight interceptions. They were thirteen and two. Well, he was thirteen and two as a starter, but they went all the way to the Super Bowl. Twelve and four, eleven and five, eleven and five. In the year two thousand two, he got hurt, but he was seven and three. But this guy was a winner, man. He was a winner. Played in a tough environment, like we mentioned. 24 game-winning drives. Uh, he had one Super Bowl appearance. Six-time Pro Bowler. And I always say in the 2000s, making the Pro Bowl was a big deal because I, I just thought it wasn't as inflated as it is now. There were no such things as alter- alternatives or it wasn't solely based on reputation as it is now. So the fact that he made it six times, it's definitely huge respect to him. He made the playoffs seven of his 11 seasons with the Eagles. Yeah, because I remember in 05 and 06, he got injured and the whole T.O. fiasco. But remember 2008, that was the year to beat the Giants. And who else? I forgot who else they beat. But they made it to the NFC Championship. They lost to that really good Cardinals team. But that was really surprising considering like 2008, 2009, they made the playoffs back-to-back years. When people were saying, oh, is McNabb washed up? Because then they were drafting Kevin Cobb. People thought they were trying to eventually groom him to be the long-term answer. But McNabb just... Never really gave him that full opportunity unless he got injured. Yo, one thing I didn't realize, he scored 20, 29 touchdowns on the ground. Phenomenal athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And he was someone that when he scrambled, he wasn't he rarely slid. He would take he would lower his shoulder, which probably didn't benefit him long term, but he's someone that was also you could put in that category, just being very fearless. His career was kinda over after he left Philly. Washington was a complete disaster and Minnesota was pretty bad. He is a guy who I think his best attribute and his best case for being on this list, I think it's very impressive that he went to that many NFC title games in a row. And he did a lot with not much. I'm talking James Thresh, Tom Pinkston, Freddie Mitchell, good old Fred X. Like His support coast is really bad. So I give him huge credit for that. Him and Andy Reid really built something there. And it's, it was unfortunate how it all ended because it's – the fact that him and T.O. really were never on the same page except you know, that first year, it's disappointing because you're talking about two Hall of Fame players right there, and it just eventually things just capitulate. I had two as a five season, like T.O. got suspended. McNabb was saying he's not worth it. Like It was just a huge feud that pretty much ruined the Super Bowl caliber team. Man, I'm looking at some of the... Uh, you know, when he had... When he had... Uh, Terrell Owens, it's also when both of them were like at their apex. Like right. they were still, T.O. was still a dominant wide receiver. McNabb was still a top talent mm-hmm. in the league. Um, had Brian Westbrook out the backfield too, yeah. which I uh, I feel like he's one of the more underrated, underappreciated running backs. One of the most multidimensional threats in terms of being a runner and a receiver as a running back. So, yeah, McNabb uh, on my list at number 15. A little underappreciated. I, I okay. think you rate a little low. Uh, 15, I'm going Carson Palmer. All right. Three-time Pro Bowl, um, one-time second-team All-Pro. I thought he put together six years. I think Carson Palmer just being – it's no one of those quarterbacks, just that environment, even though he, that offense was crazy good. People forget, yeah, Johnson, Chris Henry, and TJ Hushmanzada was, like, I think one of the best number twos ever. Like, I don't think he gets the respect that he deserves. I just think Carson Palmer kind of relied too much on his arm talent at times. Like, he's just someone that – Never really shit around the pocket. Never really made things easy for his receivers. Just someone like a true gunslinger. That's why I always remember Carson Palmer. But I, I think even when he went to Oakland, he would still. There were still times where you saw like classic Carson Palmer, someone that could throw the ball deep. Throwing players like Rod Streeter and Demetrius Moore, like he made things work. Carson Palmer. He was never someone where wow, this guy's a total liability. Maybe his last season, because at that point he was just pretty much majorly on the decline. Him and Arians, you could just see it just wasn't working at the end. But I give huge credit cards to Forget it. Like, he tore his ACL in 2014. I think they were like 8-1 and one or, or something. Then eventually they had to rely on like Drew Stanton, Ryan Lindley. So was oh, nightmare. my God. I remember that. They played yeah. the Panthers in the One playoffs. of the worst playoff games ever. Oh, dude. But then he tore his ACL in 2014. And then to be in his mid-30s, 2015, nearly at, win the MVP. And who could forget that Green Bay playoff game when he hit Fitzgerald. And Fitzgerald got tackled at the 5. It was like a was it 50-yard play. Two plays later, a little sprint right. Get him the touchdown, Fitzgerald. That was great. I thought his rep- chemistry with J.J. Nelson, that was like J.J. Nelson's you know, emergence of league. He came in a real de- deep threat. There was times, like I remember it was an 80-yard touchdown against Seattle in 2016. I think it was a game winner. Hit like a 64-yarder against 
Cincinnati, which is kind of a revenge game because he did not leave Cincinnati on good terms. Like he at one point was ready to retire. He's like, I don't want to play her anymore. It was just I think that he liked the fact that Andy Dalton was picked and then him and Chad Johnson eventually a lot of these feuds it's crazy like him and McNabb just guys like Chad Johnson T.O. just the kind of worst egos like Randy Moss was in his old world but I don't think Randy Moss ever really pissed off a quarterback he just wanted to do his own thing Owens and Chad Johnson literally make their quarterbacks hate you know hate them so that's it takes a rare skill to have that but I think Carson Parr I just give him so much credit the fact that he was normally usually productive. He wasn't someone where it's just like, oh, I don't. I think he should be benched. I think he's a major liability. He's someone, even when he wasn't quite delivering, he's still someone who was a major threat, someone that could put up 350, four touchdowns any single week. So I have huge credit to him. I think he's someone that should be remembered more fondly. He's, maybe because he played in smaller markets besides Oakland, which was arguably you know the worst time of his career. But what he did in Cincinnati and then Arizona, that, that 2015 season, I, that was one of the most enjoyable seasons period of a quarterback. Like I just love what he did with the Arizona team. So, yeah, that's my pick at 15. All right. I'm not going to say much about that because I had him on the last episode. Number 14. I think this is where the list starts to get very interesting. Like, legit. Number 14 for me is Cam Newton. Me too. Yeah? Okay. (laughs) All right. So, as I was doing some of the research here, he reminds me of Julio Jones when it comes to wide receivers, what he is to quarterbacks. Because don't you feel like – I know I feel like Julio Jones is injury prone. You know he hasn't missed a lot of games. Julio's (laughs) missed six games in his career, I think. Besides the 2013 season, he like broke his foot in week six, and then he missed the rest of the year. That was the only time where he missed like a significant amount of time. But yeah, that was a a, a significant injury. But like I'm talking about like the week to week thing. Like Julio is someone who loves. I mean, Mount Saint Julio is always (laughs) ready to erupt. I love Julio Jones. Everyone knows that. But you know, you look at Julio Jones and. He's, like, not really injury-prone. Like, sure, he misses a couple quarters and shit. Like, mm-hmm. he pulls a hamstring or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, I always make the running joke. Danny and I, how when we take him in DFS, he's always on the sideline smiling more yeah. than he is catching passes. But, dude, Cam Newton, one, two, three, four, five years he's played 16 games. Every other year he's played 14 games he mm-hmm. started. And, you know, there were some times where they clinched the bye week and, and they rested him. There was an, all right, 2019 this past year, I, I get it, like, he got hurt, and then they benched him yeah. and whatnot. But like you said a couple of episodes ago, how you put a big emphasis on if you were an MVP, you were the best player of the year that year. In 2015, that was the case. 35 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 10 touchdowns on the ground. One right. offense rookie year, too. Yeah, I was, was going to get to yeah. his. Oh, I, I should have started with that. Yeah. First rookie quarterback to ever throw for 4,000 yards, 21 touchdowns. Get this, 14 on the ground, bro. Remember that he this really, was before Mike Tolbert got there, so he, they, he was like their red zone runner. Yeah, he was a fantasy gold mine. I remember people were taking him late in the draft, and he was my fantasy quarterback. I played in a two QB league, and man, Cam that year was sensational. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, and then you know you look at Cam, and he made the playoffs a couple times 13, 14, 15. He made the playoffs, won the division all three years. That that was the first time at NFC South back to back winners. They did it three consecutive times, and two thousand fifteen was the most dominant one, fifteen and one. He uh, made the um, – well, he was an all-pro one year, too, when he won the MVP, obviously. Uh, most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in NFL history. Most passing yards by a quarterback in his first two NFL games, 854 yards. Coming in as a rookie. Remember, that was the lockout year. Yeah. So he didn't really have much time to, no train to train with people. And also, yo, 2015, no knock to, like, Ted Ginn Jr. and, and Philly Brown – Jericho Cotri. Yeah, like he was he threw 35 touchdowns, but basically Greg Olson was his number one option. Exactly. And he he got Ted Ginn paid because Ted Ginn ended up leaving, then going to the Saints, got a you know pretty nice deal for a guy who's a bust. Yeah. They finally realized how to utilize um his accuracy that year. He was just hitting throw after throw because the whole knock on Kid doing was he overthrows it. I thought Devin Funches kind of came into his own this year. That's one guy that was actually half decent. I will say that. But always the knock on Cam Newton, overthrows the receivers, kind of throws wide. That's a big reason why they drafted both Calvin Benjamin, who tore his ACL to start the year. So that was another thing people were concerned about. This one, Calvin Benjamin was a rising star, which seems about eight years ago at this point. But that year, just going into it, like the supporting cast was very weak, and he just took it and what he did. Like some of the games that year, Remember, there's an infamous GIF. The Giants, they beat 38-35, five touchdowns, 380 that game. Uh, remember, he beat the Saints, uh, three, threw for 380, five combined touchdowns, 141-38. There were some games, like, they were be in shootouts, and 
he was ready to go. Didn't matter what the environment was. So that was just one of the most miraculous years I've ever seen from quarterback. He everything he touched turned to gold that year. Yeah, 2013 they had a bye week. Also, I tell me how you feel about this. Should a bye week for a quarterback be considered as a win on their playoff record? No, absolutely not. Why not? You basically won a game to advance. But you didn't play in a game. You just put yourself in a position to make the Super Bowl in a more favorable way. I get that, but I, I, I think I think you should be credited. That's a weird take. I cannot agree yeah. with that at all. all right, you, you didn't play in a game. Like That's it. Like Okay, you put yourself in a more favorable position to win a Super Bowl. But you've advanced a round. Yeah, but against who? Nothing. You just earned the right to avoid it. Right, so maybe that's your, your victory. I don't think it's a victory. It's just you're there. That's it. Uh, you know what's one of the cool stats with him, though? Only there's only three quarterbacks. Although I assume it's gonna be broken eventually. You know, Lamar and and um, Watson will probably break this. But at the time, only him, Randall Cunningham, and Michael Vick, four straight years of 500 rushing yards by a QB. That's pretty impressive, considering especially you know scrambling quarterbacks getting injured. So good. He was someone when it came to running the option. He was like the first quarterback that. It looked unstoppable at times. Kaepernick had his little run with the playoffs, but eventually teams found out. When Cam Newton got the ball in his hands, like linebackers would even be worried. Like, I have to tackle this guy, 260 pounds. And Cam was never afraid to leap. I, I, in terms of end zone leaps, like when he, when he hurled into the end zone, it would be the craziest thing ever. This guy had zero fear, and that was always the coolest thing about Cam Newton. Well, six of his first seven years, he had over 500 yards rushing, which I think that's going to be something that's going to be hard to – to to beat you know like there was that one year in 2016 he had 359 yards rushing but for the most part you know 754 639 741 706 585 539 man i feel like cam cam got a lot of heat bro because he liked to have fun and i feel like cam was a lot of people make the comparison so i'm not going to take credit to this but he was a very polarizing player like how russell westbrook was Maybe it's because they're both very fashionista and they both like to dominate the press conference with their appearance and they were very social media savvy. You ever follow Cam Newton on Instagram? Yeah. You see how he types? It's very, very Dude, bizarre. that takes a lot of time. <laughs> he, he might have a manager. I assume he has to have some uh, management team. Or there's yeah. probably like a, a copy and paste yeah. thing which will translate it because right. if that's if that's regular Cam, then hats off to him. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about his impact on the game, man? Especially As, as far as like generationally going... Especially for a quarterback of his size, because he's someone that's just six huge. five, yeah. two fifty, two yeah. forty. Yeah, and he's someone that also kind of he was because he was stigmatized as someone that can be a pocket passer. Even though when he was having success early on, because remember, two thousand thirteen was the first year they made the playoffs with Cam Newton, and great moment. That was actually the year he remember they beat the Patriots on Monday night, and that's when the ice up sun. I bought with, that shirt with Steve Smith and Tlaib. So Cam Newton, that drive, 72-yard drive to beat the Patriots, that moment, he hit Ted Ginn for the winner. You know, a quarterback, what, his third year to beat Tom Brady on primetime like that? That's a huge moment. So uh, with Cam Newton, just I think the way he evolved into a pocket pass is very key because he was always someone that was viewed as an athlete, someone that couldn't really transcend. Okay, he's a playmaker, but can this guy step in a pocket? Can he beat the best? And that 2015 season, I know it didn't end well against Denver. That defense, especially Von Miller, just swarmed them. But that season, he was just on fire. And there was a couple of years. like I thought 2018, they were 6-2. and two. Him and North Turner were firing. But that Steelers Thursday night game, and then afterwards, things just crashed. They couldn't win a game. And then the shoulder injuries, that's that's the thing that really bums me out with Cam. Just, I think the shoulder injuries have really affected them now. And that's why like you saw this year, especially that Tampa game on Thursday night, he just couldn't complete a pass more than 10 yards. It was a Really tough to watch, and I think he's another player. Injuries have caught up to him, and you have to wonder at this point, you know, what's his future? Okay, that's our third one, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Salute right. to Cam. It's like Cam Newton podcast. Shout out to Cam, man. <laughs> All right, number thirteen. It's gonna upset me. It's gonna really upset me because this guy should be in my top five, but he decided to retire. Sav, you too? Yeah. Andrew Luck? I picked him at 13. Wow, dude. Okay. All right, listen. Andrew Luck, everyone that's ever listened to VM or knows anything about me, uh, I saw him in 2010 play, and from then on, I was like, all right, I'm still young in the game. I still don't know much about identifying prospects and shit, but this this dude has the it factor. There we go. Um, The number one pick in the draft. Should have been rookie of the year, and I will die on this hill. 
He didn't win Rookie of the Year that year, despite throwing 23 touchdowns to 18 interceptions. Had 627 pass attempts, third most in the NFL. The knock on him was that he had a lot of interceptions compared to RG3 at the time, who I think had five. Both, well, RG3 won the division. Andrew Luck won more games, had seven game-winning drives in that year, had 20 game-winning drives in his career. 11 and 5, 11 and 5, 11 and 5 to start off his career. Also, I want to mention, he took 41 sacks his first year. Dude, the re- I was going to get to that. The reason why he's not playing is because you want to talk about being dealt a shit hand. Grigson was the GM, very incompetent, did not know how to properly build a team. You don't take a speed wide receiver who's basically T.Y. Hilton. Like, you have a yeah. guy in that mold already. Right. I can understand you want to get a wide receiver like a big body guy. I could get I could get behind that. But when you take a speedster who basically ran a fast 40 time, and that's how he popped up on the radar. And you have clear needs. Like, you have so many needs. Yeah. You found the franchise quarterback, which is the hardest thing to do in professional sports. Find the guy. The way to probably build a team. You find a quarterback. You protect them. And you go after them. That's mm-hmm. the three stages of building a football team the right way. Right. How I would build it, too. Comes in. Remember, he inherits a team that went 2-14 and 14 the year before. It was a very Peyton Manning-built team, mm-hmm. right? New coaching staff, too. New coaching staff, yeah. Chuck Pagano. Mm-hmm. Also lost his coach mm-hmm. halfway through the year. True. He had Bruce Arians. Yeah. Remember, Chuck Strong was yeah. a big thing. Reggie Wayne still had a couple of good years, but it wasn't Reggie Wayne, Hall of Famer no. Reggie Wayne. I remember Donnie Avery was like one of his go-to receivers at one point. He, he you know, Colby Fleener coming out, same right. guy from... Uh, they played together. ...at yeah. Stanford. Man, going... Th- 11 and 5 for three straight years. The reason why he didn't win rookie of the year was because RG3 won the division despite RG3 having one less win than he mm-hmm. did. His best moment postseason wise was beating Denver as a 10 point underdog in Denver. I know I know it's the Chiefs game. Yeah, I'd say best achievement. Yeah, because at the best moment, achievement, going yeah. a mile high. Yeah, going yeah. a mile high. And then you lost to the Patriots with the whole deflate gate. Yeah. He was a part of that. But, you know, the 2014 season, again, I hold a lot of weight if you throw 40 touchdown passes. I think that's very impressive. There's not many quarterbacks that have done that. In 2014, 40 touchdown passes, 16 interceptions. You want to talk about a guy like Matthew Stafford who didn't really have the greatest running game ever, right? Remember they had, like, Vic Ballard? Did. I think he had a game-win touchdown of Vic Ballard. I forgot what game it was. But he was, like, one of his more go-to options. He was. Yeah. He was. He was pretty dynamic threat. But... but Come on. I know. No, it wasn't much there. And then the O-line was this there. Andrew Luck, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks ever when it came to making out-of-structure plays. One that throws outside the pocket, throws across his body. Like, he made some of the most absurd throws ever, like, in terms of whether it be, you know, split into double coverage. Like, he's someone, when it comes to the term arm talent, that's what he had. I know everyone, a lot of people don't like that term, but he's someone that had it and used it to the best of his abilities. Okay, he turned it over a bit at times, but I think that was more of just them playing from behind or just the pressure that was on him. Like, I don't think, I think when Andrew Luck was at his best, whether it be you know, 2018 with Frank Reich, you didn't really see those turnovers because he had the infrastructure with him. You know, he had to work with a lot of scraps at times in Indianapolis, and he definitely made the most of it. Like, that his rookie year, he had five game-winning drives. He tied the best ever Seven. with... Oh, seven. Okay. Seven game winning drives, four fourth quarter comebacks. Ah, okay. So that's what's so, up. Because he was tied with uh, Roethlisberger and Vince Young in that stat, which Let's is pretty good. Oh, my boy. <laughs> Rook, those rookie years, man. But, but that playoff comeback, I want to get into that a little bit just because between the 64 yard touchdown at T.Y. Hill, the rushing touchdown where it was pretty much a broken play, it like, was a fumble also. Yeah, it was just a disaster. Overall, he had 433 yards at four touchdowns again. They went 45 44 in just a game where everyone thought it was over the third quarter. It was like, what, 35 to 10? And just, I think that was the moment where I, I knew Andrew Luck was very good, but that's the moment I was like, whoa, this is an MVP caliber down. This is the one that is going to become a superstar in this league. And, you know, it hurts that we kind of lost a lot with him, but I was glad he did get his moment in 2018 because yeah, I thought he was really good that year. It was a little bit of a slow start. Let's not forget they started 1 5, but yeah. look what they did. Well, also, I think it's very important that we mention that how 2017, he didn't play the whole year. People didn't think he could throw a football again. Mm-hmm. No one, dude, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen when it comes to the Vegas win totals. Their win total was six. No one knew anything about it. Then it went one full game up to seven. Now, I know you might say, yo, it's one game. Mm-hmm. Well, think of it from this perspective. That's a 10-game jump in Major League Baseball. Yeah. So a team going from 70 win total to 80, that would be rather alarming. Andrew Luck, they didn't see anything about him throwing. 
comes out like you said one and five remember also that year they brought in jacoby Brissett to throw like a hail mary pass that's right i think it was the eagles against one of those games and then they just caught fire 39 touchdown passes to 15 interceptions if it wasn't for pat mahomes similar to like carson palmer if it wasn't for cam newton having the ridiculous year you're probably looking at andrew luck as an mvp candidate Mm -hmm. i also think andrew luck when you factor in the talent the fact that he was the sought out number one pick and to me he was a success Mm -hmm. we did forget like eric ebron like turn him into a, a, a career underachieving talent. Turn him into a red zone monster because he just put the ball right there for him. He elevated players. He did. He really did. And also, it's it really sucked that he walked away from football when he did because man, they were everyone knows this. They were my Super Bowl pick. I had the Colts winning the Super Bowl last year. This time last year, I was all in. I was like, hammer the win total. Hammer Andrew Luck MVP. Hammer the Colts to win the Super Bowl. They were like 15 to 1 odds. I'm like, yo, this is great. They had built a team the right way. You know, um, Quentin Nelson, some of the other pieces on the offensive line, like they finally did it. And, you know, they struck gold with like Darius Leonard. Mm. Uh, Malik Hooker was coming back. You know, Pierre Desir, I think, is a very good corner that not a lot of people talk about. So they were building it the right way. But when Andrew Luck was on, man, and he was healthy, you're talking about. 2014 was just. Yeah. 2014, 2018. Even, you know, 2016, sure, they went 8-7, and seven, but 31 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. I also want to show up to love. He beat Peyton twice because those games against Peyton were a big deal. Uh, not one playoff game, but some of the regular season games, like with Peyton's return and then his last game in Lucas Oil Stadium, like outdoel Peyton twice, especially his rookie year. It says a lot. So yeah. He struggled against the Patriots, but a lot of people do. Yeah, and, and I think th- let's got to take the cut of that defense yeah. and put him in a bad position. When you're... Double digit face a double digit deficit against the Patriots in the playoffs, like that's just a no win scenario. So, yeah, and like I think one of the best things you said, it's really unfortunate that he didn't play longer because I think he definitely could have been a top five QB on this list. Like the fact that we have him at 13 is just a testament of how good he was during his time. Like if he played another season or two, easily top 10, another three or four, who knows? So, he's someone that you have to give so much credit to. But it's just it was a little hard for me like measuring this list because I have like I see him and Cam, but I'm just like, man, luck. I thought put consecutive seasons of greatness together compared to Cam who had one. But Cam has also had very good years as well. But I just think Andrew Luck, the way he elevated talents, the thing that always blew me away, like because he never really had that great of supporting cast. For the longest time, I was saying, what players on the Colts would you draft on your team, not fantasy, mm-hmm. that were not luck dependent? Meaning, don't tell me T.Y. Hilton because a lot of his success was because he had Andrew Luck. I still think T.Y. Hilton's a damn good talent, though. I think he's still like an explosive playmaker. But other than that, there's no one really. Like, Ebron, I've never been a big fan of. Like, I remember, I remember thinking Dwayne Allen was going to be something special. That completely flopped. You know, look at Fleener. Went to New Orleans, didn't really do much. So, yeah, Andrew Luck made a lot of careers, man. Man, I miss him. That neck beard. <laughs> you think we ever see him again? Oh, he's he's a smart guy. He's not coming back. Made like over sixty million guaranteed. I think he has way other things he's invested. He's someone that maybe he. I don't think he'll ever come back to football. I don't think he'll do media, but maybe he'll work in like the sports science field. You know, to further educate us, kind of like what Chris Nowinski did for wrestling. Because mm. he's a he's very intelligent. Man. If you listen to Andrew Luck interview, he's not one of these average football players. Well, I remember Kevin Shaw was being interviewed one time, and they asked him, "Who's the um, has there ever been a player that you've coached that was just way smarter than you?" And he goes. Yeah, he plays on Sundays. <laughs> He's with the Colts. <laughs> so, yeah, shout out to Andrew Luck, man, number 13 on our list. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Time to pay some bills with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB. You might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, congrats. You'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or... They can bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. Might have to dabble in that. You know what I'm saying? If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% Welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That is BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Bet online, your online wagering experts. 
Alright, number 12. A double L E N. Holla at me. Go on, Matt Ryan. Stop, bro. <laughs> me too. I had a feeling. Me too. Yeah, Matty Ice. Yeah. Matty fucking Mr. Ice. Mr. Consistency. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Now, the floor is yours. Tell us about Matt Ryan, man. First NFL pass, deep post, Michael Jenkins, 88, 80 yards. Against the Lions, right? The home 16 Lions. Let's go. I remember that. I remember First game that. of the Matt Ryan, Mike Smith era. And from then on, we saw a star, one rookie of the year that year. Albeit kind of te- that was what peak Michael Turner. That was all oh, the glory days. But Matt Ryan, four time Pro Bowler, one time MVP. Love saying that because that just aggravates so many people. Because like, how did Matt Ryan win MVP? Hey, he did it. Him and Kyle Shan were the dream duo. 38 game winning drives just shows you how much he's not played with a top defense. Like every year, it was just kind of a roller coaster, especially those early years. Like I remember in 2010, they went 13 3. But those, a lot of those games are like one possession. Like they were like they started the outlier of teams. Like you know, we always talk about teams that are kind of fortunate winning those one possession games. Like mm-hmm. the Falcons were like that in 2010. But when it came to Matt Ryan, just I always felt he was very consistent. Maybe sometimes primetime games got the best of him. Like of course, playoffs he started out 0 and three. We know the Packers game where Aaron Rodgers went berserk in Georgia Dome. We lost the the infamous Cardinals game with Kurt Warner. And uh, Anquan Bull and Larry Fitzgerald. Then we talked about the Giants one. So he started 0 3 playoffs, and that's when people kind of were getting kind of tired of Matt Ryan because he's not kind of like Eli Manning was never this vocal ear, someone that didn't have this like ultra expressive personality. He would just have much more of a calm demeanor. But I just think with Matt Ryan, you kind of knew what you were getting for the most part. Made some mistakes here and there, but you knew on Sundays he was going to deliver. He was going to make four or five passes that put his team in winning positions. He wasn't someone where it's like you really had to question him. So I think what sets the bar with Matt Ryan so high is just the fact that year in, year out, you kind of know what you're getting. You're getting like a, sometimes you like 2016 maybe is an outlier, but for the most part, you're getting quarterback that's like in the top seven, top nine, like around there. You know, maybe sometimes top five. Like I think 2012 was his first year. That was the year where he had. Julio, Roddy, and Gonzalez. That was like the one year all three of them were healthy. They made the NFC Championship game. They lost to Kaepernick and the 49ers. The, uh, the questionable pass interference on Roddy White. Yeah, that was sketchy. Navarro Bowman, a lot of contact there. Uh, definitely a little bit agree with that, but that game they had a 17 nothing lead. So that was like one of those. That's kind of started the downfall of Mike Smith because a lot of like the, the Mike Smith Falcons, he's always blow leads and Matt Ryan would have to bail him out. That was the one game they didn't bail him out. And that kind of blew that window was kind of gone after that because then they tried to go all in sign like Steven Jackson, OC Mignor, and that blew up in their face and eventually that fell off a bit. But then man, that's on sixteen season. I know you were going crazy with the Falcons with me and just seeing him Dude, I had told you I you guys didn't know this, but I told I mean for for those of you that listened back then yeah. too, I was telling Alan they're going to the Super Bowl in like week twelve. I was like, yo, that's my pick to win the Super Bowl. And you're like, nah, man, I can't see you. You're, you're way more optimistic than I am. I said that, really? Because uh, I was really high on Dallas at the time. Cause of what they were doing with the offensive line and Zeke, because they were the one seed that year. Well, yeah, but I saw they lost twice to the Giants, and the Giants were very, like, whatever. Well, the Giants, Cowboys, Giants made the playoffs that year. Yeah, I understand. But yeah, the Giants that year, when they made the playoffs, I didn't think they, like, they didn't wow you. No, yeah, because they barely score over 20 points. Yeah, they didn't yeah. score 20 points so for like 30 straight good. games. Yeah, But yeah, they spent all that money on the defense. That's True. why they, they just hit home runs all yeah. day. I, I agree with you. I think when you look at Matt Ryan, man, just a lot of winning seasons, right? 2013 and 14, 4 and 12, 6 and 10. But then after that, just a lot of winning seasons. And I think you got to factor in the fact that you had a Carolina run. You always had the Saints looming with mm-hmm. Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and I think that's very important for mm-hmm. your, your division. Like a lot of New England and Brady successes that they play in the NFC East, yeah, uh, AFC, AFC East. East. So, man, I, I've I've always been a Matt Ryan fan. I've always thought he's solid, mm-hmm. right? Like, sure, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but not many people are. But he's also not Mark Sanchez. No, brought stability to the most important position. Very durable. I mean, he's missed literally three games, Sulker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, one this year and two in two thousand nine. And he, um, he was getting sacked, a good amount, a lot of thirty sack seasons. The past two years have been over forty, so he's taken a beat in the last few years. I think just the decline of the land, just not building an offensive line because I think it would really help Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's definitely had a great supporting cast offensively, especially his early years. Like, look, you're working with one of the best tight ends that ever play a game, 
franchise icon, Roddy White. Everyone knows what Julio does. You know, having a running back like Michael Turner and Devontae Freeman. Most new too was very Most good. Most new and Ridley's developed. So he's definitely had his weapons. It's just that defense was never really something you could rely upon, which kind of held them back to an extent. But I just think with Matt Ryan, always someone reliable for his part. Yeah, he's had some games, especially outdoors. That you kind of said, and uh, I know playoffs starting out zero and three is rough, but eventually coming on into layers is with Shannon. And then I thought his performance—I remember it against the Rams in 2017 playoffs, where Aaron Donald was in the backfield for literally almost every play. Like Aaron Donald was just throwing people around, and to beat Wade Phillips' defense like that was definitely a big moment for him. So, and Matt Ryan, I think it's unfortunate he's just never won a Super Bowl because I think if he won a Super Bowl, you could obviously elevate his resume. I just think he would be more well received. There's still people out there that. Just they don't view Matt Ryan in a positive way, just whether it's his demeanor, just someone that kind of fades in because for some reason primetime games just hasn't gone well for him recently. But I think we look at his body of work, Matt Ryan consistently, you know, above average quarterback. Well, he's also I think um you know, two thousand eighteen he had thirty five touchdowns to seven interceptions. Like yeah, Quali was really good. Some of that was garbage time because the team wasn't very good, but there were times he had to carry him because that defense, remember, they lost like Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, back-to-back weeks. Yeah, they lost Ricardo Allen. Starters, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there were times he was in shootouts against the Saints, Bengals. It was just a crazy year, but he's someone that whenever you had to ask him to throw 40, 45 times, you would definitely take a little more chances because he's – like I wouldn't classify him as a gunslinger, but he's someone that when you press him, when he has to make things happen, he's willing to take risks. You know, so he's not, not necessarily gun-shy, but I wouldn't call him a gunslinger either. But it's just he hasn't always been put in the most ideal scenarios. He's he's had a lot of changes offense coordinators. Ironically, you look at Mike Malarkey. Um, who am I blanking on right now? I know Mike Malarkey, obviously Shannon as well. Who am I, oh, Dirk Cutter. So his for, and Dirk Cutter's offense coordinator now. But Mike Malarkey, Dirk Cutter, and Kyle Shannon all went on to be head coaches after they left the land their respective years. And they worked with Sarkeesian, which clearly did not go well. And mm-hmm. now Dirk Cutter, not much better. So he's not had the most stable environment. Okay, the head coaches, he's only had two, so which helps. But, you know, having to learn different offenses, because it's crazy. That first year with Shannon, he admitted that he was overwhelmed, which is kind of crazy. Like, you look at what Shannon did with likes of, you know, Brian Hoyer and Matt Schaub and, you know, RG3. Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And while Matt Ryan, easily the best out of all of them, and he's admitted, like, yeah, I'm kind of overwhelmed right now. And then the next year, they have a legendary offense. They're breaking records. And it looks like they're just torpedoing teams. Like, Seattle and Green Bay, back-to-back, just – dominated both games and these are two of the most battle-tested teams in nfc look at russell wilson now rogers fourth quarter there was no fourth quarter in those games it was over that's how crazy that offense it was we also i give a shout out to tevin coleman they had a great chemistry in there too especially on the wheel route so yeah matt ryan i think i think he'll never like quite get the acceptance that he deserves because i'm not i'm not sure because he's like he's 35 i don't know how much of a window is left in atlanta well, i was gonna ask you yeah. you beat me to it when do you think they start looking for a quarterback like high in the draft Maybe two or three years from now, because they got way more needs right now, and I don't think they're they're picking as bad as they were this year. They're picking sixteen because they won a lot of games at the end of the year. You know, they go from one and seven to seven and nine. So I don't think they're in a position to get much right now. And I still think Matt Ryan's playing at a relatively high level. But I think once you like thirty seven, thirty eight, you have to at least take into consideration. But you know, he's someone that's very durable, and there hasn't been a major drop off in his play, at least not yet. There's a stat that I've gotten very excited about over the last couple of years when it comes to quarterbacks. I don't know the proper analytic term for it, but basically it measures how many throws you make past the sticks. So are you captain check down, third and eight? Are you throwing a two-yard pass? Or how many of those are you throwing past the first down marker? Jameis Winston is first by like many, many. Uh, Matt Ryan is top five in that. So he's a guy who... and. That's just one of my things with my quarterback. I want my quarterback to have balls. Yeah. I need Vince McMahon grapefruits. <laughs> I need you to go out there, and it's third and eight. I want you to throw for 12 yards. I don't want this uh, one down, check down, and, and pray. Yeah, be confident. Rely on your arm. You yeah. have the arm. Make the throw. Absolutely. If there's a window there. Make it happen. One, uh, one, one big criticism of Matt Ryan. Would it be the playoffs? I need more Julio, man. That, doesn't, get- that doesn't always equate to success. Particularly in the red zone. Hey, listen. He had 20 targets against the Niners, and they won that game this past year. Oh, well, they, they had nobody. It really Julio! was injured. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. 
Yeah, I miss. Oh, I, it's unfortunate that team with Roddy Gonzalez and oh that 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 team was crazy good. But yeah, I'm Who, happy, Matt Ryan. Number Julio 10. Jones has entered my uh, Tory Holt range. Oh wow, he's that says a lot. It's my yo. I love Julio, okay. man. I'm gonna say the next one. We finally so we've had three consecutive same picks, but this one I'm 100 sure that it's different. All right, you want me to say mine then? I know where you're going with this. I don't think you are. Oh, we're gonna go swerve here. I, I don't. I don't think you have any idea where I'm going with this quarterback. Oh god! Give me a hint. Is he still playing your quarterback? What happened? Is your quarterback still playing right now, number eleven? Oh no, no, neither is mine. Did your quarterback uh, play for multiple teams? My quarterback currently, yeah, that I'm picking. So did mine. I got Brett Favre. All right. You don't have Brett Favre? No. I- not right now, but... All right. I have, I have Brett Favre at number one. A little low, but all right. Go, all right. Brett Favre. Okay. Brett Favre. Obviously, we know about the Iron Man. I, that holds a lot of weight for me. The I God. Think I think it's ridiculous what he did. For Again, you got to factor in. Brett Favre played all these consecutive starts in an era where the quarterback got absolutely torpedoed. Made the playoffs 11 times in Green Bay. Um... Just constant, stable in in 1995. I know I'm going into the 90s, yeah. but I just want to go and show you that twice in the 90s, he had over 4,200 passing yards. In that era. In that era. And also was like 33, 38, 39, 35, 31 touchdown passes. Again, in an era where it was, you got to run the ball 40 times to win. This guy was the ultimate gunslinger. Always had double-digit interceptions. With the one year with Minnesota when that wasn't the case. But again, love it because you're a quarterback who goes out there and you sling. You're going to make a play. One thing, one of his famous quotes is, you can never say I didn't try when someone asked him about why do you throw so many interceptions. And I loved it. Uh, constant winner, 11-5, 13-3, 13-3, 11-5. Going into 2001, 12-4, and 12-4, and 10-6, and 10-6. Right. Lambo was one of the most intimidating places ever. Like, if you had to play Brett Favre and Lambo, you were most likely going to lose. We were talking about how long it took for them to lose at home, and it was a big reason why it was right. so hard to beat them at home. Uh, a very, very tough place to play, like you said. Have to. I know. I've always hated this thing that people say. Oh, it's going to be cold, and the road team. You know, it's a hostile territory because. Well, I'm sure the Packer players don't enjoy playing in minus 10 degree weather. Like they would much rather play in 60 yeah. degrees. So I get that, but I've always been a believer that minus 20 is minus 20 for both sides. Yeah. Are you a little bit more used to it? Yeah, but it still sucks. Right? It still sucks. So Brett Favre 43 comebacks. Uh sorry, for uh 38 game-winning drives. Played in 10 playoff games. Um Oh, no, no. Sorry. I'm, I was just reading Matt Ryan's. I'm, an, oh. I'm a legend. Uh, yeah, I was right. 43 game-winning drives. 16 years at Green Bay. He played... We got a race that Jets season. 24. He made the playoffs. He played 22 games in the playoffs for the Green Bay Packers. Basically, every time he made the playoffs for Green Bay, with the exception of one, two, three seasons, he played multiple games. So, right. like, he got you a win. Yeah, like the years he lost to the Falcons and Vikings with Vic Culper, I was like the, that was like wild card weekend. But other than that, like, year in, year out, he was either making a divisional round or NFC Championship. He also had some, uh, remember Javon Walker? One of my low-key, <laughs> well, yeah. he got Javon Walker, him and Sidney Rice, when you think about it, like two super vertical receivers, big physical receivers, he got him paid because Sidney Rice went to Seattle. Injury is just bad fit. And Javon Walker, when he went to Oakland, never really heard from him again. So he's just one of the world's quarterbacks to elevate town. You even look back at nice guy like Antonio Freeman. Or, or man, you know what I love? Him and Donald Driver. Donald Driver, yeah. How Ooh, can we not mention yeah. Donald Driver? What about Bubba Franks at time? Hey. Also, three-time MVP. Right. All of them came in the 90s, though. Th- three-time second-team All-Pro. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Hall of Famer, obviously, uh, has several NFL records, yeah. like many NFL yeah. records. Did we just pump a little lower because we're only focusing on the 2000s? Like, if you if he did what he did in the 90s and 2000s, I think he's top five. Right, yeah. yeah. When you're looking at the 2000s, he he made the playoffs. How many years did he make? 2001, 2, 3, 4, 07, and then 09. Yo, that Minnesota season. 
legendary. He was 40. <laughs> he was 40 years old, guys. That was Percy Harvin's rookie year, Sidney Rice's big year, Adrian Peterson doing Adrian Peterson things. 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Hey, Brad Childress doesn't get enough credit as an offensive mind. Him and Brad Childress, on the whole season, they were just firing. He had in his whole career, his whole career, in 2005, he went 4-12. and 12, And then I'm throwing away the last year in Minnesota. He had one losing season. That's absurd, bro. Because right. the Jets went, I think, 8-8, right? The Jets went um, nine and seven. Oh, nine. Oh, so wow, still considered winning a year. Nine and seven. Yeah, Favre just there's he's just as gutsy as it gets. He just knew him makes whenever you really need to play. Okay, there was times where like that interception against New Orleans in the NFC Championship game that really ruined my brother's love for football. Grew up a Vikings fan, like he stopped watching football for years after that. Like he just that moment and Paul Allen, the great Paul Allen at Minnesota, he does the play by play for every game. He goes. This isn't Detroit. This is the game. Get the Super Bowl. Like he just started freaking out. It was just that line. Pawn's on the best play-by-play guys, and uh, I know he gets a lot of heat in New York. But uh, the one and only Mike Francesca had a great line by far. He goes, "He's got the guts of a burglar." And say we want Mike Francesca. That's a damn good line because Brett Favre really did. Like he's just someone that he didn't care. Like and okay, sometimes like the Minnesota one totally backfired. But I just love the fact that Brett Favre, like when you knew he was coming on the field. Say okay, this is gonna be four quarters of hell. Like we're gonna have to play, bring it every single down, and just I think what he did in Minnesota was just one of the crazy things. Remember that touchdown to Greg Lewis against San Fran? It was like a forty-yard bomb to oh, win to it. End the game, yeah, at the, at the buzzer, literally at the buzzer. Unbelievable. And how about the Monday night game? against Oakland after his dad died. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. Oh, I would think that that's yeah. like uh, of all the moments. That's probably the the coolest one on this list. Mm-hmm. I, I would say from the this episode in particular to do what he did on that Monday night football mm-hmm. game was crazy. What about um a dude who um got a concussion, then threw a touchdown, and then said, "I don't remember that happening." <laughs> And they put him back in the game. This is another thing. It was an era where exactly, you know, yeah. How many fingers do I have up? Two. How many fingers do I have now? Three. All right, yeah. you're back in there. And yo, tough as nails, bro. Tough as nails. Just constantly getting up after getting hit. And again, we talk a lot about these guys missing time. This guy, hey, dude. Have you seen him recently in interviews? I know He's one. Fucked. Up. I know one point it was bad. I don't know recently, but I remember there's a time he was doing like a media run on NFL Network, and like he was just talking about being in Mississippi, how much he loves hunting. Yeah, he was definitely a certain speech. The guy played so much, and let's talk about how he went out. Like he was, he got. I think it was against the Patriots. He was on a stretcher. Yeah. Like he really went out. You want to talk about like fighters going out on their shield? Like Brett Favre literally went out on their shield. Like he went out on a stretcher. The most durable quarterback ever went down like that. I just love how many interceptions he threw. <laughs> it's just fascinating, bro. And in an era where a lot of it was running the ball. Yeah. Like, what would it have been like now? Like, imagine Brett Favre in this day and age. Who knows? Not bro. getting beat up, too. True. What about that? Not getting hit all those times that he got hit, bro? Right. Like, the, this guy could have had, you know, got sacked 40 times one year, 38 times the other. It's uh, 336 interceptions in his career, 508 touchdown passes. <laughs> the man. Yeah, it's weird. Like growing up, I didn't care for him because like I grew up liking the Vikings. Like I would hate those far Packer teams. But the more I watched it, I learned to appreciate. It. And then when he came to Minnesota, and what he did, I was like, "Oh, this guy's the man." But that, that Saints NFC Championship game, man, that is something that it is one of those moments. Kind of like the whole Matt Hasselback mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Now Brett Favre didn't say anything, but just that was this. He threw it across his body when they were already in field goal range. Like, it was just so bad. Yeah. So. But I think it's a little low, personally. But then again, you have to take an account. We're only going from 2000 onwards. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, you brought up a good point, which was very important. And shit, I rattled off what he was doing in the, in the you know, from 95 to 98. Thir- well, if you go back to 94, 33, 38, 39, 35, 31 touchdown passes. So, and, and we also forgot the biggest thing. He got drafted by the Falcons. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. Jesus, he played two games with the Falcons in 1991. Not good enough. We're, we'll we'll get Jeff George though. It's okay. What about you, Donovan McNabb? Okay, I think Donovan McNabb is criminally underrated. I, I don't think he gets the respect that he gets. I think some of it is because of his actions. He's someone that has r- pissed off a lot of people with his comments dating back to the Super Bowl. You know, him vomiting on the field. Allegedly, he still denies it to this day. And I do think some of his comments in the whole T.O. situation didn't help matters. But I think from 2000, 2004, just 
you want to talk about nine receivers. They're talking about James Thresh, Todd Pinkston, Freddie Mitchell. They Chad Lewis is like their tight end. Like there were just no dynamic players there. Now he had incredible offense line guys like Terod Thompson, uh, 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 Trey Thomas. Excuse me, what am I saying? Uh, John Runyon. You know, as long as Michael Strand was on the other side, John Runyon was very good. Uh, Hank Fraley was there. Like he had. It was kind of like the. 2018 Colts, a really good offense line, but not too much on outside, obviously outside of T.Y. Hilton. But he just made it work, him and Andy Reid, you know, and then having a running game, whether it was a guy like Deuce Staley or Crow Bulkhalter, or then eventually Brian Westbrook came into the fray. But I just think McNabb, like, just we talk about consistently, mm. always in a position. Now, crumbling the big games, I'll never forget the last play, or his last game, I should say, in Veterans Stadium, 92 yard pick six to Rondé Barber, NFC Championship, you know, losing to teams like Carolina and the Rams. And eventually go over the hump. Thing is, like, even though they beat the Falcons, make the NFC Championship, T.O. had a broken leg. He didn't to come back to the Super Bowl. So he made that McNabb just always made things work with the limits of point guess. That's why I always give him credit, even though he had a great offense line. The defense had a lot of great players as well. So, but I just think playing the NFC East at a time when it was very difficult and then just so much adversity, like year and year. Could you imagine losing all those NFC Championship games and especially a town like Philly? That could just mentally break you. And then he finally gets his superstar receiver, and they get over the hump. It didn't last long, but I just think McNabb and just the way he played, you know, be someone that really embodies being that scrummy quarterback while also being a pocket pass in the process. I think what he did was tremendous. And we had mentioned, man, that fourth and 26 to Freddie Mitchell against the Packers in the playoffs. Like, when he threw that ball, I'm like, no way. And he just completed that pass. Like, fourth and 26 in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, no, you you make a compelling argument for him, man. And like I mentioned before, how five straight conference championship games, no no one but Brady has done that in this era. Mm-hmm. That's that's impressive, man. It's yeah. yo, New England has really made it look very easy, but it is hard to dude. And I'll never forget this. What you told me in 2016, before you even got you know be, way before you became on the a member of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I remember you text me like during the week, and you're like, yo, how you feeling about? sunday with the giants mm-hmm. i was like man i'm mad nervous i don't know and you're like bro just enjoy it like it's not it's not often that your team makes the playoffs really so just don't take it for granted and mm-hmm. you're right i think definitely underappreciated i used to say there used to be a running joke because me and my buddy dennis were were both like the quarterbacks of our flag of our touch football team mm-hmm. and dennis had a way way better arm than me like he could throw like 70 yards in his sleep uh-huh. so i would always say how like yo i'm the donovan mcnab of our football team like i'm mad underappreciated <laughs> that always used to be my like bar about it because he was a guy who never really got the respect that i think he deserved even though year in year out he was just as consistent as it gets and i think he deserves more credit for 2008 2009 because he tore his acl in 2006 i think just coming back from a torn acl such as a quarterback, it's pretty remarkable. And to still play at a relatively high level. Like I tell you, the season, they were very good, you know, making the NFC Championship. But They beat I, the Giants, I yeah. as a as a coming off the, the Giants were coming off the bye. But I just think there were times he kind of buried himself. Like, I'll never forget that Dallas playoff game while I was doing researches. I totally forgot this. In the intro of that game, he was, like, playing the air guitar. Like, they were playing Dallas. He did, like, the air guitar thing and just started, like, beating the glass. And you just see Vic Deshaun Jackson looking at him, like, what is going on? And that was his last game as Eagle. They got blown out by the Cowboys in that playoff game. So there were just times. And then, look, the Washington, him and Mike Shannon, Dan workout. And it has to be noted with this, he got benched for Rex Grossman in 2010 by the, when he was on the Redskins. 2011 gets benched for Christian Ponder with the Vikings. Oh, boy. Like, that hurts the resume that a little does bit. Hurt the resume. That's what, because no, I actually considered McNabb for top 10, but then eventually I'm like, ah, he never had the numbers like that. I was looking more from a sense of just consistently being very good to, to great and someone that had some stellar games. Like, we mentioned this, it was a regular season against the Packers. They won 47 to 17. This one far was there. He started a game, 14 straight completions, ended at 10 straight, overall 32 for. 43, 464 yards, and five touchdowns. This is a primetime game against Brett Favre and the Packers. They won 47-17. So it's just moments like that. I think what he did was really special. And I think the last that this was, I believe, in 2000. I want to say, hold on, hold on. This was crazy because I was talking about sport. Okay, 2003. So this was the year before going to Super Bowl. He threw 17 touchdowns this year. Only five of them went to receivers. The first two months that season, none of them. So this is what I'm talking about. Like, he had to rely a lot on running backs and tight ends. 
kind of like what Corsa once did this year in mm-hmm. a way. It's kind of weird that, that kind of corresponds with it. Yeah. yeah. So as much as Don McNabb kind of buries himself a little bit when it comes to media stuff and just you know some of his moments in crunch time, I just think his overall body work really shows a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame and someone that was exceptionally talented. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. McNabb started the episode and closes it out. All right. All right. Let's just recap. I had... McNabb at 15, Cam at 14, Luck at 13, Matt Ryan at 12, Brett Favre at 11. 15, Carson Palmer, 14, Cam Newton, 13, Andrew Luck, 12, Matt Ryan, 11, Don McNabb. All right. A lot less tension on this episode. A lot more. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, let me just ask you a general question. How many guys have I mentioned already? Have I mentioned already that are in your top 10? Just one. Just one? Yeah. All right. All right. I do think my, uh, the guy I have third, the guy I have third and the guy I have sixth, I think is going to blow your mind. Yeah. Well, you already have some bold taste. This one was good, but stuff like, I don't know. I still can't go over Joe Flacco. My, my third, my third is. It's the highest he could realistically be. Okay. He can't be one. He can't be two. Because then I would just like try to just like, I'd be Skip Bayless. Yeah. Right. But for my guy being at number three, talk about a teaser. For my guy being number three, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by who my number three is. Okay. Well, we first have to get through 10 to six. We have to get through 10 to six. Yeah. (laughs) So, but yeah, it just, I find it crazy. So overall, we have now five altogether, same, which is. I don't know. I'm pretty staggered by that. I did not expect that. And 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 I think we'll have. Um, I think our one two will be the same. I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> be kind of crazy. If it was. Otherwise, that'd be yeah. wild. But uh, yeah, it's cool. I, I do like the fact that I think quarterbacks like Luck, Newton, even Matt Ryan, these guys, I don't think get the appreciations. Even you know McNabb to an extent. But these three, yeah, they were they were great, but it was only like kind of a short period and short period, meaning like two to three years or so. Like they didn't have the, like these crazy dominant windows, but people kind of take that for granted. It's like, no, but they still did that. Cam Newton, 2015, Andrew Luck, 2014, Matt Ryan, 2016. These were I, exceptional seasons. I factor in a lot stability. Mm-hmm. I factor in a lot that when your team is in the war room, first four rounds they don't need to address your position i think that means a lot to me right and it should it should mean a lot to you dude if you're a jet fan how many times have you taken a quarterback if you're a browns fan just all these organizations that keep missing on quarterbacks and it sets you back or you're wasting draft picks on that position Mm -hmm. for you to find your guy i think having stability there man like shit this is such an event this could be the first time the chargers are going to draft a quarterback possibly in in the first round you know, like Philip Rivers was there for so long. 2004. Eli Manning, you know, yeah. uh, Big Ben. That's why mm-hmm. Big Ben was like, yo, why are you taking Mason Rudolph? Yeah. Or how about like Dennis Dixon? Yeah. Yeah. Yo, Dennis Dixon, fun fact. I was a top 25 NCAA football player, the video game, when Dennis Dixon was on Oregon. Wow. Him, Jonathan Stewart. Okay. Oh, Jonathan Stewart. Damn. Dude. I was, some of those Oregon teams are crazy. That was the first like installment of Oregon yeah. where it was the video game style. And, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think Chip Kelly was there. He might have been. Don't yeah. quote me on that. But that's I think a, he had to be there because then he went to Philly not too long afterwards, right? Wow. That's a good point. Yeah. And like 11, 12. Because they there. come out of the year with Nick Foles. Mm. That was like 2013. So he had to be there then. Wow, yeah, you're right. Because then he went to San Fran for one year with Kaepernick in 2016. Because mm. I think Chip Kelly kind of fizzled down like 2015. So yeah, all right. But yeah, uh, we're we're nearing now top 10 territory. Guys, let us know what you think of these lists. We'll have some graphics up at the time when you listen to this. Um, for those of you that are members of the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/VeteransMinimum, you guys have heard some of these episodes. Hell, you might have even heard our top 10 already. But if you want to show support for the show, that's where it's at. As far as I go, it's at The Lamb Show on all social media outlets. You can watch some of these clips on the YouTube channel. YouTube is continuing to grow. We're putting out some content there. It's YouTube.com slash Veterans Minimum. And yeah, Alan, where can they find you? Alan underscore Sturk. That's A-L-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. All right. Before we sign off, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Big shouts to the six members of our franchise tag on Patreon. Ryan Pisner, my guy, P. 
his baby, Bills Mafia. Enjoy and congrats on Stefan Diggs, Corey Johnson Hoops, Derek Pleates, Daniel Gibson, Christopher Velasquez, and Bo Clore. Thank you all so, so much for your donation to the program, baby. And my guy in the Supermax, Nick Chavez. Shout outs to you, my good brother. And thank you all for listening. And we'll catch you guys later.